0: I thought that strength was just how fast I could run up mountains. I thought that strength was associated with my independence was with my ability to not have to accept help. My strength was affiliated with like my muscle size or like, you know, my mile split or like, well, in my case, a VK split. So how fast I can go up (laughs) vertical vertical meters. Um, But, you know, I didn't know what, Or I had forgotten, I think, what being a full human actually looked like without running.
1: Welcome to the Be Rad Podcast. I'm Kat Bradley, your host, and I'm so stoked to be here with my good friend, Hillary Allen. She is an author. She wrote out and back. She is my Brooks teammate and a longtime professional athlete. She is a co-host of the podcast Trail Society, a coach with the Ian Sharman coaching, whatever. (laughs) And I um, just way too many running accolades to to list like seriously I looked through her website before known her for years I could pick 20 but I met her in 2016 the day she won her first Speedgoat 50k I got fourth that day and it was my first big win running I like got some money <laughs> at that, that race and I was stoked and it was one of Hillary's first big wins you mm-hmm. just signed with the North Face and yeah um welcome hillary i'm stoked to have you
0: yeah i'm so happy to be here
1: yeah it's crazy i just think about the hundreds of hours we've run together and our you know both of our careers have grown in ways we couldn't have expected you were the first person that was like i think She might be good at hundreds. (laughs) I do remember this. Yeah, I do remember we went on this long run together and you were like, you're a fast hiker. And I was like, oh, thank you. You run for the North Face.
0: (laughs) I remember these long runs, yeah, that we went on and, like, we just communicated in the same way. Like, when we were suffering, we just wanted to be quiet and just, like put in the miles like put in the hours like we knew it would kind of you know dissipate somewhere but I remember that and I was like all right I think I think she's got this ultra distance thing (laughs) of skills don't come to just anyone so yeah
1: and you you know you were a little bit more experienced than me I'd done more hundreds at that time but I you know you were established in the sport already so I just kind of followed your lead and it was really cool you know you took me on Some of my biggest training runs ever. (laughs) Every time I was like, well, I hope I survive
0: this. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that. And you'd be like, I'm like, Kat, you're going to be (laughs) fine. I (laughs) know. I'd
1: be like, this is hard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Cool. But in 2016, like, where were you at that point? What was your mindset like back then? You know, you were just getting into the sport. The sport was so Mm -hmm. different back then. Even, you know, whatever, six, seven years ago. Mm -hmm. Where was your mind then?
0: You know, I think in many ways it is, it's funny because obviously, um, I'm going to timestamp this. We're recording this like ahead of UTMB, ahead of, you know, your CCC Mm -hmm. and you know, it's 2022. So we've been doing this for a while now. We've had a lot of ups, a lot of downs, both (laughs) you and me. I mean, I think there's very few people that can kind of relate to the whole, you know, injury saga and how hard it is as, as a professional athlete to kind of keep going, um, as you can, you know, to me personally, you know, my whole journey, but, um, in many ways, my mentality back then in 2016 was what I like to keep preserving as it is now. And that's just trying to have fun and really hone in on my why of why I'm running. And the whole reason why I run and why I try these crazy, stupid, hard races is because it's fun to challenge myself and it puts life into perspective in a way that nothing else really can. Um sport mm-hmm. is really interesting in that way. It challenges you. It it proves to you how strong you are. And I think I was just discovering those strengths in 2016 because like you said I I was only a year a year into the North Face team. I was only 2 years into running like ultras and I had just <laughs> started running in general, you know. Yeah. So I, it was kind of like, you know, cue the Disney music, like a whole new world, you know, I was just exploring all of these things, but my mentality was just curiosity and then trying to find just the, this challenge, these races that would excite me and just try to do my best. So yeah. Yeah. But something ticks differently in people who do well.
1: Was something ticking in you then? Was something, you know, scratching at you like, oh, I want to be good at this.
0: You know, yes, but also no, because I think, I mean, I think the thing that was ticking in me to do well was that I was really devoted to the process. Like I wanted to see how much, how much faster I could get, like winning speed goat. That was the second year I had done speed goat. So I had seen the course before I knew what to mm-hmm. expect. Did you do it in 2015 too? Mm, yes. Ooh. And then I was there too. I or forget. 2014, yeah. Which, yeah. I forget which year. And so, um, I basically I knew I could put down a better time. And so mm-hmm. I was motivated by that and it was and so of course like I'm a pretty like type A person. I like working hard. I love that about running that you can kind of see progress if you put in the hard work. Yeah. And so like I for sure I did but then um there was also this perspective of like okay like it's also really fun to see if I can you know do well so but but like I had to have that seriousness about it because I was so devoted that I was trained every day I had a coach like I was obviously sponsored and I was starting to see successes but I I think at that point I was kind of on the rise Mm -hmm. I still hadn't I never felt like I had reached my potential yet. So I still felt like I had more and more to give. Yeah.
1: And that's such a wonderful place to be. Like, it was kind of crazy for me because I won Western States and then I felt like I was still on the rise. But like when you win Western, it's all of a sudden you got, you like have this crippling pressure, you know, that's Mm -hmm. really hard to cope with. Yeah. Um, And all of a sudden you don't feel like you're on the rise anymore from external stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But that type A personality, you know, you hear ultra runners all the time say that. And I think it means different things for different people. Like some people would look at me and be like, oh, she's type A because she gets all her training in. But, you know, Carson or anyone my family would look at me and be like, uh-uh, she's not type A. Okay, I would look at you and be like, no, no, no,
0: <laughs> that's not type A. But that's like why we can share so many mouths together too, because like, I feel like we can like yeah. compliment one another. You're right. You're right. But you know me really
1: well, yeah. you know, so what, you know, what makes you type A and what, does that bleed into other parts of your life? And do you Mm -hmm. feel like it's always healthy or do you, you know, is that, you know, sometimes I feel like my obsessive parts aren't always healthy Mm -hmm. and like the best parts about you are also your biggest downfall. Do you feel that's
0: been you for your type A personality? For sure. So, I mean, when I say type A, I say, um, (laughs) like perfectionist when I was a kid like growing up and in college like I would literally forfeit my social life and like I did not participate I didn't even really like partying I was like such a grandma from like a very young age but like I didn't even I didn't like to go to parties I was majoring in organic chemistry I was like on the tennis team which you know and like doing some really hard majors I studied abroad like I was devoted to school like if I didn't get anything but an A like I was pissed (laughs) like and So that's, like, the Taipei-ness. And so then when I was in grad school is when I started running. And so, like, Mm -hmm. I was very driven. And, like, I was working 60 to 70 hours a week in the lab. And then on top of that, dabbling in ultra running. So it's, like just dipping your toe dip in. dipping my toe
1: in like on a really long distance that doesn't exist by the way.
0: Exactly. And especially because like, you know, I would get off work on a Friday and then just like get in the car and go, you know, to either a race or just like a weekend to train. So that's like what I'm speaking of. I was like very like all in. Um but of course, if you're if, you know, if you're hearing me describe this and you're getting a little bit anxious or like, you know, the cold sweats because it sounds like you're pretty close to burning out, well, yeah. Like that's what my type A can do, like, you know, I can, like, lean, it's like a teeter-totter, right, it'll, it can quickly lean to the other side, and it's, like, you know, just, like, I need a total break, um, and for me, it can be really unhealthy if I'm so devoted to one thing, then I, then I, like, kind of neglect other parts of life, which are really important, like, friends and family and, like, community and leaning into those other things and rest and, yeah. And how do you balance that, you know, like, I have gotten to the
1: point, more than once in my running career since 2016 when we met that I've had to take a full break Mm -hmm. and I've taken full like eight weeks off running more than once uninjured. Like, how do you keep from having to do that? You've never had to do that.
0: And like, that's really impressive. Well, I mean, I have in different ways like that, but mine has been forced like through injury. Right. I've, I think for me, my, my big, my big, like, my big pause moment or this moment really where I had to look at things completely differently was, you know, shortly after we met in 2017 when I had my huge accident. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I not, I didn't think that I'd be able to run again. And so I really had to like, I had to evaluate everything that I was doing in my life because Mm -hmm. I had, I had gone all in. I had, you know, told myself I'd give it a year to see how like the, the, the pro running life would be. Yeah. And, it was going well. So I I was, you know, I was all in on this lifestyle. And then when I thought that maybe it was over and then even more so than that, like my mobility was going to be permanently changed. Um, I kind of had to take a bigger step back. And this is the first time in my life where I, where I had, I basically had to tell myself that, okay, like, These are the serious moments, and like this, this is a life changing moment for you. Like you have the decision to either a keep going, but it's all or b like completely switch one eighty, do whatever you want. But it was up to me. And through it all, I found like this why of why I wanted to keep trying and doing running specifically. It's because it made me feel like I was a better person. It made me happy. But this moment was where I had to, I had to really evaluate what was important to Mm me. And it gave me the clarity to be able to step back in the future. Like, you know, from since then, you know, since 2017 with that accident, you know, I've had many moments in in my career where I've gotten Mm re-injured. But also before I've gotten injured, I've been able to take a step back, recognize those feelings and say, hey, like take a break you need to dial down the running portion of your life, yeah. dial up these other parts of you that are, like make you a whole person that are more important than running at the end of the day. Totally. And, and more sustainable too. You absolutely. Know? Like, that'll be there forever. Yes. And that's like, that's the kind of like crazy part too. And I think about it sometimes I'm like, Oh crap. Like am I involved in so many things that are running? Like, you know, you mentioned, I mean, I wrote this book, but like, That was more, it was about running, right? What happened to me. But also it's like, it's more of a conversation about mental health. Like my, my master's degrees in neuroscience and physiology, like that's a huge passion of mine. I've always thought Mm -hmm. that, you know, I'll take the knowledge I've learned running and coaching and apply that to, you know, sports psychology or something Mm -hmm. like this. And running is a huge base, but there's so many other things that make me a full person. Totally. But it's so common for not even just professional athletes, but I think, all sorts of athletes to get so consumed by this one thing that makes them their sole identity. Yeah, totally. You know what (laughs) I'm saying? I'm going to make this whole podcast about
1: this, but you know, for so long I identified as an ultra runner. And I want to go forward and just be a chick who runs ultras, you know, (laughs) because like everyone knows me as an ultra runner. All I talk about is ultra running, (laughs) but no,
0: I'm putting my foot down. (laughs) I'm a chick who runs ultras. Um, And something else for me too, that helped. And I found cycling, like doing other sports and like how, um, but when you
1: cycle, you cycle like 20 hours a week. I can't, I
0: can't comprehend it. Hey, I mean, it's so much fun, but like, I mean, so, so for me too, and another, another thing that like my injury taught me is other forms of movement that make me really happy. And like, Mm -hmm. for me, it's like not about also like I'm a runner. I love running. I love doing these crazy long distances, like these ultra (coughs) endurance things, but also like being a full athlete is really like, I'm like, I'm well-rounded athlete. It's really fun. And like being a complete beginner at, cycling and learning that or like literally being a complete beginner in the gym, but then now totally. I can do pull-ups. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. I'm impressed.
1: Um, I want to back up for one second. Yeah. Um, we kind of glazed over this giant thing. Um, in 2017, mm-hmm. both of us, you and I were both having the best, you know, objectively best year of our running careers, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then at the end of 2017 or the end of the running season, what was it? September
0: August, Uh, August,
1: um, you fell 150 feet in a sky race, you know, um, that's crazy. It really
0: doesn't happen in running when I usually, I still have these like mega scars on my legs. And like, it's the best when you are like, you're in short shorts and you're like near a child and they look at you and I'm just like, yeah, it was a bear attack.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But no, it, it was even like more out there and more like, you know, no one would ever believe that it was a running accident, mm. but it was a sky running accident for mm-hmm. anyone who doesn't know that what that is. That's like low key mountaineering, but in running shoes. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> you know? no, yes. Like it's, it's, a very, it's like <laughs> But moving probably,
1: very fast. Yeah. Um, and Hillary at the time and, you know, and still is one of the best in the world. She had this fall and was still, you were like, what the th- third best in the world
0: at that actually at that point in my season I was ranked number one and mm-hmm. even with that fall and not being able to compete for the last two races I still play second on the world series circuit yeah. so I was like yeah like you said we were we we're having like objectively some of like you know the best seasons of our careers yeah and it, and it all changed and like totally in an instant like and it may maybe a negative part for me but like for you two, this incredibly big win and then and then. Beep. No. <laughs> i say that
1: with love for myself but (laughs) also truth (laughs) but um you know what changed in you that day Mm -hmm. like outside of running you know let's talk about as a person you know go Mm -hmm. and i both of us were both wrapped up in running but Mm -hmm. like what changed in you that's like a crazy thing to experience falling 150 feet and you know in that moment not knowing if you're gonna survive you know both of us have had bad accidents i Mm -hmm. you know almost died in a car accident you know and you with this fall what what changed in you that day
0: you know first it was like gratitude obviously for it not being worse um but i honestly (laughs) the biggest thing that i realized is that there's more to life than just running and It sounds silly and almost like just so simple to say, but it's really hard as a professional athlete who I was like building my whole year, months of training blocks, like literally my whole year was based on and around races Mm -hmm. where where I needed to put in intense training blocks, where I needed to travel, where I needed to rest, where I was going to be in the world. And then to have that all taken away and I was completely unsure of my future, I just realized like, whoa, okay, like there's more to life than just running and there's more to me. I think that's maybe the most important thing. There was more to me than just being an athlete and I had to tap into those other things. And it's kind of funny because, I mean, only if I was able to tap into those other things was I able to get back to running. Yeah. Yeah. So... From the outside perspective, it doesn't look
1: like your lifestyle has changed <laughs> pre accident and post accident. How oh how has it changed? You know, yeah. and I'm sure it has, you know, mm-hmm. but how do, do you live your life? differently day to day? Or is it just, you know, you say your life revolved around races. It, you know, it seems like it still does, you know, I'm guilty. My life does, even though I'm like, I'm a whole person. <laughs> you know, I'm, all, I'm all, you know, I think about racing every day. If I'm mm-hmm. truthful, mm-hmm. um, has your life changed in ways that people can see? And, and if not, how has your life changed in ways that people can't see?
0: Yeah, that's actually a really good question. So, yes, um, and this is something, uh, you know, it's really interesting because – from an outside perspective, no, my life hasn't changed. In fact, it's been like the volume has been turned up, right? <laughs> yeah, because you're so right. <laughs> like it's the, the, it's just it's I I have a van, you know. I like I travel to places where I can train. I'm running races that are actually longer, mm-hmm. and I mean, you know, hard is a is a relative term, but you know, yeah. longer in the sense, and so harder in that sense than anything that I was running pre-accident because I was doing shorter, faster, technical mountain races. Now I'm just doing longer stuff because I don't want anywhere near like running as recklessly as I was downhill (laughs) back in the day. Um, And so, yeah. So basically from an outsider perspective, all of that's turned up. I lived in France for a couple of years just because I like, you know, this is where I race. This is where my home is. Like mm-hmm. I love the European style of racing, the more vert, the better. So what better place to live than France? Um, I've, um, you know, I've also, like you mentioned, I'm coaching with, uh, with Sherman ultra coaching and that's amazing. Cause I can like give back to the community that way, mm-hmm. but you know, it's really interesting because these are all things that I share on social media, right? It's a great tool. It's, yeah. it's amazing. But, um, I get to choose what I share and I get to choose what I keep private. And there's a huge part of my life that is not shared publicly. And I think that that's sacred and it's important. And so all of these things that make me a full person that have changed significantly from, you know, before I, before this accident, and even, you know, in the past couple of years of dealing with many injuries and coming back, um, to races, like there's a whole bunch of things that have changed. Um, and, but it's like, those are the things that maybe aren't as sexy to share on social media, but they're just as important. And, yeah. you know, it's like, it's something that I, that I think is cool. And I think that everyone should realize that there's, there's more to athletes than what they share. And I'm not someone who wants to walk around with my phone all the time and like, sure, I'll share stories if I have like an awesome place or on an awesome run or like I have something to say, but like, that's not part of my daily routine. Um, yeah. because I like to keep some things a little bit more private. Um. I think, I mean, I let it sneak a little bit into the social media, but I'm just, I'm a huge science nerd. I love science. Yeah. And so, you know, and a lot of my spare time, it's like, you know, fed to that or, you know, cooking or, and I think really the biggest thing that has changed, um, for me over the past couple of years is really leaning into community yeah. and that's at, you know, in my, my home in Boulder, um, Or, you know, places like Chamonix this week, there's a ton of people here that I haven't seen in forever. (laughs) And so it's getting to, like, see those people. Um, But, yeah, those are the moments, I think, that make, like, training and that lifestyle of being a professional athlete possible.
1: Yeah, totally. And it takes the pressure off the training itself. Like, Mm -hmm. I remember You know, having, you know, I don't even know when it happened because I went from being someone who saw, you know, saw myself as, uh, you know, to to run for the love of it. And all of a sudden I got anxious around training, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, you're right. It's the things that make the training Easier and smaller, like take up less room in your brain space.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I remember having this conversation um, because you mentioned Keely Henninger and and Corinne Malcolm and I, we do a podcast, um, Trail Society is focusing on like women in sport, which is Mm -hmm. like it's it's super cool. Like we focus on just amplifying that voice, but also um, just like the science around it. And I remember Keely was talking about early on in her running career when we both met her and was like Mm -hmm. running with her in Boulder, but she would like pass the time um, and she was saying that like she would finish her run, but that she'd spend the whole day thinking about the run or like the next run and stuff like this, right? So, and I've been in a similar place. I think a lot of people have, but it's finding a way, yeah, for me it was a maybe more violent like stop where I was like, okay, you have to think about things differently because I don't know if I'm ever going to, you know, do this again and I truly mm-hmm. love running. So Totally,
1: yeah. That's really interesting. I think maybe we've all been there at mm-hmm. some point. You know, anyone who's been in the sport for as long as we have, mm-hmm. veterans.
0: <laughs> oh God, are we coming up on that
1: term? Dude, I was mentioned as a veteran <laughs> recently. Well, yeah, I'm like, what? <laughs> but it anyway,
0: extra strength. I think. I mean, I've been, I've been well. So I've been doing this professionally since 2015. So that's like, I know, seven years.
1: Yeah, it's when crazy. When does veteran
0: status start?
1: <laughs> I You are, a, if I'm a veteran, you're a veteran. All right. Um, but I, you know, it's it's just crazy how that anxiety around training and thinking about the next run, as soon as you finish your last run, you know, mm-hmm. um, can overtake your whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we continue on this, I want to, you know, men- you touched on social media and I just want to... Mm-hmm expand on that a little mm-hmm. bit more because it's such a huge part of our life you know and something that I didn't expect you know when I made my Instagram it's because my friend Sean was like you should follow trail running this is like in 2013
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um so I made my Instagram name poop is what we do so no one would follow <laughs> me <laughs> and
0: uh um, <Ultra> runner as well <laughs> yeah right well
1: and then like I got my first like free shoes and they you know made me change it. But I, I, my relationship with social media has been, you know, one with peaks and valleys and one where I've been like, wow, I'm grateful I can do this anywhere. And one where I've been like, I hate sharing my whole life, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like I can't share without sharing everything or at least like being honest because, you know, I feel icky (laughs) sometimes and I, and I just don't know how to do it. Um, but how, what is your relationship with social media and how has it changed as you've grown in the sport and went through injury? You know, you went through this injury so publicly and I'm sure there's super hard times through that.
0: Yeah. And that's such a good question. I think, um, the, the sport of ultra running is growing so fast and as like young people come into the sport or just new people come into the sport. I think you need to talk to them about like that reality of it. Um, because, I mean, we are, like, public, right? And you're choosing to put things out there. Like, even, you know, this conversation, this is a form of, like, social media, right? Maybe it's, like, yeah. modern radio. I don't even know. <laughs> but, like, um, it's, it's, I think these conversations are really worthwhile as opposed to just, like, snippets of our life. But I think what's really helped me um, is taking some autonomy back. Mm -hmm. So I felt that pressure of like, you know, you'd see, I was basically following based on what, following my own social media practices based on what I saw. And so that was like the most successful people were literally sharing every aspect of their life. Mm -hmm. And that didn't feel so authentic to me. Like it felt like a hassle. Like I felt like I was spent spending way too much time doing it mm-hmm. and it was bringing the joy like i also started my instagram back in 2014 when i started doing run like ultra running in general from this boyfriend i had at the time who gave me my nickname here we go <laughs> actually actually no 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 ryan oh. kroll gave
1: me the nickname oh, shout out, to ryan out ryan kroll
0: uh, he was like, <laughs> what are you a hilly goat and then um then it stuck this the the ex-boyfriend that i have he like then wow just, like that became my nickname I dumped him and I kept the nickname. Thanks Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> but- Ryan. for those of you don't know,
1: who don't know is, um, my partner in coaching. I coach with boundless coaching and mm-hmm. he's, uh, awesome. he's the founder. And that totally sounds like something he'd say. Exactly. <laughs> he's
0: like, he was like, he was kind of just like pissed, simultaneously pissed, but also just like in awe of like how fast I could go uphill. And I was like really new to this. He was like, the yeah. Hilly goat? like what? Anyways, I digress. But, um, so basically like I've spent, a, I, I created my first social media account, like, Because I was like, oh, that's what you do. And I started following these people. Mm -hmm. First, it was just like, you know, landscape photos or something for me. But then when I got like more attention from brands, it almost felt like they owned... Say in what I was posting,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that like took some autonomy back. But then what changed what changed for me is like during this accident, where, yes, I went through it publicly, but that was my choice. Mm-hmm. I got to I got to choose what I would share. and I chose to be very honest. I shared the good, but I also shared the reality and how painful it was, how hard it was, how much I was doubting myself. I mean, that's what eventually I've always been a writer, but like, I eventually wrote this book because I felt like, people need to hear this. They need to mm-hmm. hear the honesty. And because I had no one to actually look up to or follow in this, in, in an injury period, because most of the athletes just disappear and they then, you know, come back when they're winning again. And I was like, well, this doesn't seem fair. This doesn't seem yeah. honest. Like, how do I do this? And so after that moment, then I decided, okay, like I get to choose what I want to share. And I go through periods where I share a lot, or I go through periods where I don't, because, I feel like I need a break or I need like a mental health break Um, because it is, it can be a lot of pressure. And also, I mean, to be honest, like I love the people that follow me, but most of them are strangers. And like, Mm -hmm. there's a certain privacy that I like in my life. And yes, I will share openly like with my, you know, athletic life, but the other parts I get to keep to myself. And it's, it's having those boundaries. I think for me has helped um, have a, better relationship with it it's not perfect i'm still like constantly changing it but like you know or constantly evaluating it to make sure it feels good um but boundaries i think and then like having some sort of autonomy and choice associated with it yeah that's
1: huge and something that i you know struggle with yeah. every day. I'm like, hmm.
0: <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> does social media own me? Or exactly. Or own my social media. And the brands too. Like I really love the brands that I work mm-hmm. for. Me too. And I want to represent them so well. Um, and social media is how I do that. But, you know, it's not always easy. And it, for mm-hmm. me, it takes it you also have to think about how much energy it takes mm-hmm. from you to post. You know, sometimes because I like to be really honest, it takes a lot of energy for me to post. So then like, it takes me like an hour for one social media post, you know, and that's crazy. But, um, you know, so I'm constantly evaluating that relationship. Yeah. Um, but I also, you know, you touched on another really important thing that I wanted to talk about. You talked about some of those dark moments that you went through in this Mm -hmm. accident and, you know, we all talk about how ultra runners, we all have demons, you know, um, and that a lot of people at the top of the sport don't talk about those demons. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been really open about mine and I want to continue to be open about mine because, you know, people don't go into ultra running because they feel great all the time. You know, it is fun and I love exploring, but you also spend a lot of time self-examining and you know with your own thoughts and so some of those dark moments like where you weren't running and you didn't have that outlet that we all crave like what were those like and what were those thoughts whatever you feel comfortable sharing I know that's a deeply personal question but you know
0: (laughs) I mean and hopefully people don't think it's like I think also social media can be hard because you know we're expected to be like perfect and you know something that i just said could be misconstrued like oh well you want to keep things private but then i wrote like this book that's very public and Mm -hmm. you know but again i'm not perfect and i'm i'm learning what i want to share but i also chose to share those dark moments and be extremely honest with some of these feelings that i was feeling because i think it helps with establishing a baseline Mm -hmm. of what normal is Because normal isn't just, you know, butterflies and rainbows all the time. Yeah. Normal and like this pursuit of happiness. Happiness isn't static. It's dynamic. And if you generally describe someone as happy, which I would describe myself as happy, I have low moments too. Mm -hmm. And I have high moments, but it like, it all kind of rounds out. Um, but I think I'm of the, I'm of the firm belief that, um, in order to, to be happy and to be honest with yourself um you have to be honest with these not so like warm and fuzzy feelings Mm -hmm. um for me like for instance during the accident like I had to come to terms with the fact that I I wish I would have died at some points at my lowest points I wish that 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 I wasn't going through the current recovery that I was going through because it was easier to just it felt like a it felt just like a you know get out of jail free card Mm -hmm. and but that emotion was so incredibly real. Like yeah. it was different than like, you know, suicidal thoughts or something like this, but it was like, but it but it was thought of real, like just despair and like not knowing how mm-hmm. I was going to string the next few moments together or the next few days or months or what my life would look like. And I had to really be honest with myself and, you know, express that to people that I really trusted and for them to be able to hear it and, you know, sit with me and then know that it was going to pass yeah. in order to like move, move to the next, you know, better moment or happy moment. And um, so, again, it's like choosing to share those things around, um, you know, my accident. And that's, you know, in my book, it can be an extremely um you know it's like you're standing naked in a crowd of full of strangers and then yeah. you know and it's it's great like hopefully that's helped someone normalize these feelings that i think mm-hmm. a lot of people a lot of people can feel but it i mean it's just like it it happens a lot i mean i think humans were not we're not static things and our emotions certainly aren't like, I don't even know how mine operate sometimes. And like, you know, you can kind of go through all these things. That's also why I love running because you get the time and the space to kind of work through yeah. emotions. And like, you know, I'm sure with both of our races coming up, like it's not going to be happy the whole time. Like you're running in an ultra race and you know, it's going to be hard at some point. Yeah. Um. But I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that the more you're open and honest with, like welcoming kind of those negative thoughts and working through them, like that kind of the easier, the easier it becomes. But yeah, I mean, but talking about kind of like social media, one thing too with, um, with this in like dark moments is like, it's hard to, to be honest and to share all these things because comparison is a real thing. And, you know, like, I think that can steal a lot of joy from athletes because we're constantly stuck in this comparison game, stuck in this comparison game of like, Oh, like pring, right? Or like, yeah. there's a comes a time in your life when you're not going to be setting personal bests anymore, or, or like this person does social media better, or this person is having more results, or this and that. And it's like you can get caught in this comparison wheel, and then you like, for me as a type A person, like I, then I look like inwardly, and I'm like, well, I suck at everything, right? Like I'm yeah. not you know, I'm not fast and not good enough. So like it can kind of go into self-doubt and those, those emotions are real. It's okay to have them, but then it's like how you bring yourself out of them. Um, that's, I think the most important thing.
1: Yeah, that's so true. You know, I tell people you touched on a lot there, you know, and I, (laughs) I want to break it all down. Um, but something that I tell the athletes that I coach, you know, I get a lot of athletes that, you know, run everything too way, way too fast. And I'm like, why are you running all these so fast? You know, and I'm super upfront about it. I'm like, you should be running towards, you shouldn't be running away. And mm-hmm. like, if you can't sit with those easy runs, you're running away from something, you know, and you're not facing some of those, that hard that. shit in your life, yeah, <laughs> you know? And if you're, you If you're not, if you're running away from something, you may be successful for a little while, but that's a flash in the pan. You got to face those demons. You got to be running Mm -hmm. towards those demons, um, to find success and happiness and to understand yourself.
0: Those are wise words. I love that.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I've been working on them with a lot of athletes, (laughs) but, um, you know, you mentioned the despair that you felt there. You know, and it's so interesting i I can relate to those feelings mm-hmm. in different times, you know where you feel stuck and you feel like you'll n- never get out of that situation, you know um and that the outward you know that having face like facing death before that would have been easier, you know it reminds me of. In the end of an ultra when it's really hard, you've had a hard day, Mm -hmm. and you're like DNFing would have been way better. (laughs) And you're like, this race is never end. I've had the thought, I'm like, this is my purgatory. (laughs) This is like purgatory. I've done something wrong. (laughs) I'm just gonna low key suffer forever. Yeah. The finish line will never come, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, and when you were talking about that, it kind of reminded me of those feelings I've had in races where I feel like the finish line is never coming and that deep pit of despair that I felt. And for different reasons in my life, you know, and again, just give me a bullshit answer if this is too personal, but like, why do you think you face such deep despair and difficulties when all of a sudden running was taken away from you? Was it all about running? Was it about your self worth about running or what was it that made you feel like you're, you'd rather your life had been over.
0: Yeah. And I think, okay, so obviously, yeah, that is, that is a big one, but I think it's multifaceted. Um, For sure. It was all about running. I think I had, I had associated my self-worth with that and it had happened so quickly that I was, I was actually surprised that I had that I was so consumed by it and that just two short years ago, I, was you know I had to find myself in so many other different ways and not just as a runner first and so that surprised me and then my but yeah that just my self-worth was so caught up in it and that I was I didn't value myself that I thought that my all of my strength was associated with running like I was physically so fit and then I couldn't even get out of bed. I couldn't even get out of the hospital bed for five days. I was literally like giving up. Like this nurse had to come over to me and be like, you have to try. Like you can't, you can't just give up. Cause she saw it was happening and it happened so quickly. Mm-hmm. And the thing that changed for me was that I like I thought that strength was just how fast I could run up mountains. I thought that strength Was associated with my independence, was with my ability to not have to accept help. My strength was affiliated with like my muscle size or like, you know, my mile split or like, well, in my case, a VK split. So, how fast (laughs) I can go up, (laughs) like, (laughs) thousands vertical meters. Um, But, you know, I didn't know what, or I had forgotten, I think, what being a full human actually looked like without running. And that's why I fell into the hole of such like deep despair. And honestly, I mean I can say it now, but I could also say it pretty quickly back then um as I was regaining strength and like realizing that I did possess strength in these unconventional definitions um that I'm I'm grateful that it happened because at this point it was kind of like a turning point it was almost like this saving um, this point which saved me and my running career, but it saved me as a human first mm-hmm. um, and I learned so much from that moment and how you can you know redefine yourself um and also how important it is to not forget it because it can happen so quickly, yeah, you're telling me
1: <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> Happens so fast before you even know it. I know. So what are, you know, you're about, as you mentioned, we're about to embark on these crazy races here in Chamonix. You're doing UTMB, which I did in 2018. I'm still (laughs) shell-shocked. It's so hard. So amazing, but so hard. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some of those lessons, if you could pick three, that you're going to fall back on? during your darkest moment at UTMB, because let me tell you, it will get dark.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I think, I guess, um, the first thing would just be to take care of myself. Like, and that involves eating and drinking, like to not, yeah. you, know, you know, to not, to not forget that. Um, and I think also, I mean, this might be an asset of it. Um, but just like, admit that it's going to be hard and just also like yeah. have compassion and understanding and like problem solve my way through
1: mm-hmm.
0: all of that. And because I think that's, that's the most important thing. Like things are going to get hard and it's how you problem solve and have compassion around mm-hmm. it. That like makes you, makes you have a successful day. And it's like, yeah, to, to analyze kind of, you know, it's, I grew always constantly analyzing. I think as an athlete, like, okay, is this pain like, normal or is this like (laughs) going to lead to something you know more so at the end of the day like i want to finish actually utmb is gonna be on my birthday this year so like for my birthday i want to finish utmb in the back (laughs) um but you know like without causing harm so Mm -hmm. it's all it's always it's always those things so like eat and then problem solve and yeah finish the thing
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's huge yeah um we Mention 2016 and how your mind ticked then. Um, what is different about you now going into a super competitive race? Mm-hmm. How do you approach it now versus when you were earlier in your career? If there
0: is a difference, you know, there's a difference for me for sure. There's definitely a difference for me too, because, you know, and honestly, I think the shift, because I've had a lot of changes this year. I, um, I'm i on the Brooks team, which... Teammate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy about. I mean, it's like a company that, like, full stop. It's just like, I just feel supported. Mm-hmm. Like, they give me what I need. They listen to me. And, uh, like, I was having some problems with the shoes from my last sponsor, and I just really didn't feel like they listened to me. And it led to a foot injury and a surgery, which was, like, pretty serious for someone who's been through so much. And so... I feel like very lucky to be a part of this team and, but there came with that a lot of pressure. Like earlier in the year I was really struggling with it because I felt like I'm a very loyal person. I didn't want to switch brands, but I was kind of like, it was another moment where I was like, I have to take care of myself and I have to, I, I need to switch. Mm-hmm. It was becoming emotionally necessary for me to switch as yeah. well, not just physically. And, um, so I'm like very happy to land here, but I, I was think I was putting a lot of internal pressure on myself for like performance and like joining a new team and all of this other stuff. and I just felt myself not being very happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really um, since the beginning of this year, I've been really focusing on what makes me happy, why I run, why I want to run UTMB and this this sounds kind of crazy, but I'm not running it for a competitive goal. Yeah. if that happens, great. I'm running this race because it is an incredible challenge for me. I have technically not run a 100 mile race. All of my like crazy races in Europe, like TDS, like 93 miles with the same amount of gain as UTMB, doesn't count. But like, or like these like 110K races or 100 and, Hundred hundred k plus races that like you know run like a hundred miler, but technically mm-hmm. it's not. It's just I do it for the course and for something that inspires me. Yeah. UTMB inspires me. It's a it's an incredible, incredibly stacked field, but I'm not running it for a competitive goal. I just I want to run it for me, and I want to see like I know it's going to be hard, and I mm-hmm. and I want to be I'm up for the challenge. So that's my mindset going into it.
1: Yeah. That's amazing. And I think that's the mindset you kind of have to have Mm. going into UTMB. I mean, you know, I don't believe you for a second when you (laughs) say you have no competitive goals because (laughs) I know you and you're as competitive as I am, you know, but But also I, I know what you're saying. Um, and just to complete this distance on this course, and survive it which i know how fit you are right now that will make you very competitive um <laughs> is a feat though and you for these huge distances you have to go into very humble mm-hmm. um otherwise you know you're going to run the first 30 way too fast and blow up <laughs> you know <laughs> that was my ccc last year and yeah. i just was like ah i can do this off no training mm-hmm. and i blew up you know obviously yeah. <laughs> um I want to talk a little bit about Brooks that were, you know, a little bit more, just take this opportunity. You know, I signed with Brooks in 2020 and it's been the best decision I've made in my career. Same with you. Mm -hmm. Didn't feel supported with my last brand. Um, you know, even though the contracts look fairly similar, I just didn't feel like I was celebrated as a person. Um, and I I didn't like the shoes either. But <laughs> with Brooks, if I don't if I have a problem with the shoes or the gear, that feedback is valued. Yeah, you know. Um, what has that relationship looked like for you? Oh my God, I'm like
0: smiling so big right now because like I'm I'm such a nerd when it comes to gear. It's and same. like and I want to tell. Like I have it's so incredible because it's like in my last sponsor, like I was saying some things about these shoes that they're developing. And they were looking at me like I was speaking a foreign language. I'm like, guys, I'm not like, I don't know. Like I feel this way in this shoe. And then like, literally I would have a shoe from Brooks. And I think within like, I hadn't even officially signed my contract yet. And I had like three meetings with the, with the footwear team. yeah, Like, And they were just like, so they wanted to take my feedback. And I would say these things I was like, this may sound crazy, but I feel this this way. Like, I feel like this shoe is like slightly longer here or the toe box is shaped differently. And then like this guy, Nick Clinton would be like, oh, yeah, that's really perceptive of you because we changed this and this and this. And I'm like, huh, I'm not crazy. I know. (laughs) I've had the same experience with Nick. It's been
1: great, yeah. and he. Mm-hmm. Then you can see your feedback in the next yeah. iteration of the prototype, and I've yeah. I haven't been this involved in shoe development, mm-hmm. and it's amazing and empowering. And mm-hmm. you know, we can't be the only ones that are craving a shoe that's designed exactly for what we want. Yeah, you know?
0: and and Brooks is like, I mean they I think even that this is how that they develop shoes it's not just for trail it's for all of their Mm -hmm. their road shoes in fact actually that speed goat that I met you at I was where I actually won speed goat in a pair of the brooks pure grit shoes oh my god that was my first trail (laughs) shoe I bought it on ebay (laughs) I bought it at runners no what is it runner's shoes not runner's shoes I forget where I bought it but like or the boulder running company oh yeah um but yeah so it's like it's coming full circle, but people like Nick, um, like, so, and then the designers, Jesus and Josh, like they're, Awesome, yeah. Um, Javier, I think there's another one, and then um, Brian Bark. He was the one who, like, literally was sending me shoes under the table. My, like, I I won Madeira Island Ultra Trail, the 115k last year, in a pair of Brooke shoes. Like, which which pair? Uh the actually they're called the Franken Skadia. They're oh, like, oh yeah, yeah, I know exactly. Like, I I did CCC in them last yeah, year.
1: They're awesome
0: <laughs> shoes, but yeah, they're just for us, I guess. <laughs> but but
1: they used a lot of that into the Cascadia. Themselves. Yes upcoming that I will be wearing most likely at CCC this year yes
0: it's such an amazing shoe um and so I mean it's just like all of these things in the gear like the the devotion to trail that Brooks is like they're fully embracing trail and giving us the gear that we need to run this these like mountain races Mm -hmm. um and it's just it just feels amazing to be part of this 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 team and there's gonna be so many people coming out to to UTMB to kind of like experience um the trail culture um yeah it's just it's it's so cool. I just, it's, I am so excited to be a part of this brand. <laughs> yeah, me too.
1: It's, yeah. it's so amazing. So, head to toe, what's your Brooks? What's your kit for
0: CCC this year? We were just talking about this. Uh, So I'm probably wearing um, the Caldera 7s. So again, sorry, these are coming out, but the Calderas are amazing. Um, They made some cool changes, so I'm really confident in this shoe for UTMB. Um, My shorts are going to be the Chaser 5. Um, They're a little bit longer. I like things a little bit looser Um, for the the ultra distance. I don't like to feel so um, constrained. And then... Just our our Brooks like normal top. I don't even know what it what's called. They've got some new cool colors for the trail world this year. Mm-hmm. So it's got they've got like a brown, pink, and blue. It's like these like colors that don't seem that they go together, but together they they do. Actually yeah, and really they're really very cool. trail. Yes, like they, it looks like
1: it's earth tones, yes. while still having hot yeah. pink in it. It doesn't make sense, but <laughs>
0: it's the vibe. Hey, there's <laughs> hot pink wildflowers. I've seen them. Yeah, um, true. And then I have um, some trekking poles. I use Black Diamond. Um, the Z poles and I've got mm-hmm. the Ultra Spire um, the alpha vest I can actually fit all my mandatory kit in there um, <laughs> we'll see if we have the cold weather kit or the warm weather kit um, but it's like my favorite aspect of this vest is um, it's got this magnetic pocket at the back yeah. so I can like stash things that I need there quickly so it's like nutrition if I have like a filter bottle um, and like extra headlamps because I'm starting off UTMB through the night yeah. so <laughs> which you need two headlamps for UTMB as part of as yeah as you the need kit. two headlamps and like a spare battery. So I actually think I'm going to maybe even go three just. So yeah. I have that's like, what, honestly, that's yeah. what I did. And mm-hmm. I had
1: my backup and I had one on top and then one that I held to, mm-hmm. um, even with the poles, it's just so nice. And mm-hmm. you know, if it's rainy, which it might be for you, yeah, it's it, hard the, to see. Yeah. The yeah. nights get so dark. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, and then you can stick your
0: poles right in the back of that pack, too. You yeah, taught me the other day. I had exactly. no clue. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I'll start UTMB that way, and then probably, to be honest, once I start up Cold of Ozone, I'm just going to keep them out. I like to yeah. run with poles in the downhill. So.
1: Yeah, me too. I, yeah. I ran with poles the entire time when I did UTMB. Yeah. Um. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. I'm so stoked for you. And you, too. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's getting close. So – as we've talked about, we've been in the sport for a while, Um, and the sport has changed and is continuing to change and grow. Um, how do you feel about those changes? What have you seen change, and how do you feel about them? What's the good, the bad, the
0: great, the evil? <laughs> you know, so I think... I think overall growth is great. I mean, it's so cool. Cause I mean, I'm, you know, I'm making a living off of this, uh, off of this, this sport, mm-hmm. um, you know, through coaching and running. Um, it's something that I hope to continue it grows because I would love to be a part of this community for, you know, well after my competitive years are over. So I think that that's great. Um, growth is amazing. Um, I mean, it's controversial, right. That UTMB now is owned by Ironman. Um, and, and you know, But I think it actually represents growth because they have a lot of money. They see a lot of opportunity in trail. So I think overall it can be judged as a positive thing because it's contributing to growth of trail running globally. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've already seen that in in the U.S. Um, But so I think that's overall really great. Um, What I don't like, what I don't like, and I think this is kind of the ugly side of the growth, is that I think it just it with any growth and as companies get bigger and bigger, they end up driving the decisions, not the athletes. Mm -hmm. And athletes can be, you know, kind of this like thing that they, that people use, right. To kind of get ahead and used up so much where they just like, it leads to burnout. Right. It it happens a lot. And we've seen that in both the brands that we work for before. And so I think, um, I think that's the ugly side. So I think Mm -hmm. you just have to, you know, take space and 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 work with brands that that you know you um believe in and that you feel confident. In. Of course we're talking about it from a professional standpoint. Yeah. But I think this can go into to anything, like not being taken advantage of just because a brand gives you gear, like have boundaries, you know? Yeah. Um but so I think that can be that can be the negative the negative side of things. Um But it all comes in this really big positive because trail running is is expanding. Um, I think it's really cool, especially like getting more women into sport, women Mm -hmm. into trail running, like education about that. But again, if there's like, I think the negative side of that is like, yes, I believe that the like trail should be accessible to everyone, but I also think that there needs to be some education around trail etiquette, how to take care of the mountains, where to go to the bathroom if you're in the (laughs) backcountry or even in a trail, yeah, you know, like all of these kinds of things because i love these wild places and the reason why i love them is because they're wild and you know if people are you know if it's we're in the alps it rains like no one in the Alps is going like around the puddle. You're going through it, so it's like. But in Colorado, this happens all the time. It's like Chautauqua in Boulder is like now a highway because people go around the mud and like they create like this huge like trail traffic system, and the trails are widening and they're expanding. Yeah. And so it's like there needs to be like yes, trail should be accessible to everyone, but I think um, we need to have some like education around it. Yeah. Um, and again, this is just kind of what happens when things grow. Yeah,
1: and I think that's actually just opportunity for Mm -hmm. brands and athletes Mm -hmm. to give back Mm -hmm. is you know as the sport grows new athletes are going to be looking for resources and what a cool opportunity for brands and pro athletes like ourselves to educate you know um you do your a, boundless camps too. It's like that's a perfect opportunity. Totally. Like, yeah. And though the people at the boundless camps are a little bit more experienced mm-hmm. than the people we're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, but um on pod, podcasts like these, just mm-hmm. talking about it, like, hey, we want you here, but clean up after yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> or
0: <laughs> if you have questions, ask us and we'd be more than happy yeah. to answer them. <laughs> and I think
1: that's something really cool about Trail is that as it grows, um, it is very accessible you know, you and I as pro athletes are far more accessible than say someone who right. won a New York marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, just because the roots of this sport are still in the ground, you mm-hmm. know, we're still grounded and it's still a community sport and it's still small enough that, you know, we get to interact with the rest of the community. Do you feel some of these changes or these growing pains that ultra running's going through? How do you feel that's affecting someone who is not at the elite level
0: well, I think with that, like you said, that there we are accessible. Like I think you said there's like that's correct. Like people can message us on Instagram and like, you know, you're basically accessible at the click of a button. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a lot more resources. I think um for I think really it's like really beginners. I think this is why I'm actually really excited to get involved with Brooks, because they have a huge basis of people who are roadrunners and but also like trail curious, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. And um yeah, so like, I think it's a cool opportunity for brands to like educate, you know, educate people who don't know what to do. Like they don't know which resources to go to because they're so like in their, their road world. Like who do I listen to and getting them connected to resources of, okay, okay. Like what questions do I have? Some people are afraid of, you know, like trail running and like what that means with animals, especially like in Colorado and a place that we live. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I'll just shout out another resource here, um, Trail Sisters. It's a really great one. They have a lot of good articles Mm -hmm. and links to, um, just information about like new trail runners or even experienced ones. Um, cause it's a steep learning curve. Like we're in the ground, yeah. but like trail running is so vast. Like we have trail running in the Alps versus like, you know, there's trail races in the U S which it's like Rocky raccoon in Texas. It's like very flat. Like, yeah. you know, what does trail running mean? So it's like, there's a ton of, there's a ton of information out there. So it's, I think some new people at these growing pains, if there's new people getting into the sport you know, directing them in the right place where to go. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, you know, what are, what would you
1: tell a new trail runner? What are three pieces of key advice and, Mm -hmm. you know, don't do this, do this, you know, it Mm -hmm. could be advice on how they can succeed or trail etiquette or, Mm -hmm. you know, how to LNT type stuff. What are three things
0: that you want to tell every person who is trail curious. (laughs) Every person who's trail curious. I also have to shout out to um Dylan Bowman, like the free trail. He's building some cool, like his his hashtag is like trail culture. He's just totally into like the vibe of trail culture. So there's a lot of good resources there. Um, But three things that I would tell someone who's trail curious, just go out there and try it. Like you never like, what are you afraid of? okay, like, cool, like, put those things out there and still go and try it. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, and if you're afraid to go alone, grab a buddy and just go. And then the second thing, I guess, is if you like it, then, like, you know, ask your questions and then, like, figure out what the the next steps are. Um, But I think um, no, you don't need a specific trail shoe. Like go out there. If you're just trying your first trail for the, for a time, like, cool, go out there, go out there and you're the shoes that are comfortable with you. And then like, once you figure out if you like it, then you can make all these complex decisions. You don't need to make it so complicated. So I would really mm-hmm. just say one thing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: just try it. Just try it. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, my favorite thing about running is, you know, you mentioned cycling and both you and I have done a lot of skiing together too. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite thing about running is you don't really need to overcomplicate it. We can, we have with ultra running, yeah. you know, we're talking about gear kits, like yeah. mandatory check stuff, you know, but you know, I love trail running for the same reason. I love summer, like in the summertime, I don't need to put on boots. <laughs> you know, I can just go outside and walk my dog and it's easy and it's fast and I don't have to think about it. You know, with running and trail running specifically, I can have these super cool adventures that you can live a whole life in and I don't need to overcomplicate it. All Mm -hmm. I need are shoes and maybe some water, advisably some water. And some snacks. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. And and if if you go over an hour, bring some snacks too. But like, it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's my biggest barrier with other sports is Mm -hmm. I don't like to deal, you know. And so trail running, I think, can be... Just so accessible because you don't need much, as you said. Like you really don't need trail shoes. It makes it way better. Yeah, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Exactly. But you don't need them to have an awesome experience. Mm-hmm. All right, we're coming up on our time here, mm-hmm. and I just want to ask one final question. Um, what is something that you're really proud of that no one would know?
0: <laughs> that no one would know, mm-hmm.
1: hmm. and you're well known. So, <laughs>
0: like, does it have to be running?
1: No, God, no! It can be anything. This is a life podcast.
0: (laughs) Something that I'm really proud of that no one knows, and
1: your mom doesn't count. Your mom can know.
0: Okay, I was gonna say, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess a few people know. Um, I don't know. This is like this is gonna stump me because, like, I can't. I don't know. I'm so like, cat. You know me. I'm very like guarded. So it's like, there's a lot of things that have happened, but I'm pretty sure I haven't told them to anyone, <laughs> but I don't, but I, I can't, I can't discern it. Okay. So I will do, um, I will do this one thing. Okay. So like grad school, I, so when I was in grad school, it's like this whole thing you, um, you're supposed to like publish these papers, right. Um, Mm -hmm. before a certain, before a certain like time and, um, like year, you're supposed to get X number of papers to like earn a PhD or a master's or whatever. Um, but I actually have, uh, four, I think maybe five, I have to look them up on, on PubMed, but, uh, first author papers, um, That so this is before the the hilly goat book, (laughs) the the Back book. But I have those papers um, that I was able, that I was actually able to do in the first four years of grad school, which um, not many people were able to do. And I still got my master's, even though I feel like it's worthy of a PhD. I I think so too. But yeah, and I think the proudest moment there, it's kind of related to these papers, um, is that I kept my running a secret actually from my PI. Um, for my, like that yep. she was my boss, um, because I didn't want her thinking that it was interfering in my work. And, um, I did this cause I was, I was running like, you know, a lot of hours and I didn't want her to, 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 to figure out that I was doing it. And it wasn't until, um, it wasn't until after I had like published these, like these papers I that like she found out
1: <laughs> and, and, then I, you, and then you felt comfortable. You're like, look, I'm doing my work. I yeah. published these papers. <laughs> I also yeah. have this secret life. Yeah, I know. So that's you're like that's, the Hannah Montana of <laughs> the oh <my> labs. <laughs> yeah, so that's something that I'm that I'm proud of. Wow. Yeah, that's super
0: cool. <laughs>
1: Some people know that, but whatever. Yeah. Well, any last words
0: for the Brad Rad podcast? Oh, I'm just so happy to be on here and I think it's great what you're building. And I hope you rock it at CCC. Oh, right back at you. I love you, Hilly Goat. <laughs> love you, B Rad.
1: All right. Follow Hillary at Hilly Goat Climbs on Instagram. She's also on Strava as Hillary Allen. And you can you obviously read her book, Out and Back. You <laughs> want some more tidbits. Yeah. <laughs> dive into the mind of Hillary Allen with her book, Out and Back, which I am very Out and Back curious <laughs> after this podcast. All right. Love you, dude. Good luck. You